Hey everybody. Well, it finally happened to us. Just like uh, all podcasters, it seems, we had technical difficulties and about midway through our internet froze up. So sorry for some of the change in sound quality, specifically on my mic. Uh, but it is what it is. I guess uh, everyone has to go and fight the, the internet gods that be, uh, exercise the demons. And uh, so we'll try to work hard to do that in the coming uh, episodes. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you haven't subscribed uh, to this podcast, if you could, that helps us uh, find new listeners, uh, or better yet, recommend it to a friend. Maybe you have, uh, the, the, those who listen to our podcast tend to be mission practitioners, so pastors, uh, missionaries, and the like, uh, usually in tough uh, places where the uh, standard uh, stories of uh, success and whatnot aren't exactly, uh, let's say, passable for our experience. So anyway, so if you could, uh, please recommend this to someone else. Go on to iTunes and subscribe yourself. Uh, pass the word along and enjoy the rest of this podcast. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Islands in the sea, that is what we are, Garrick. It's just you and me today, buddy. <laughs> it's good to see you. How yeah. you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Happy yeah. Advent. Happy Advent. We are in the third week of Advent, all yeah. stinking ready. I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up uh, with Advent, you know, like, yeah. the kind of, but not until I got, became a Presbyterian, did that become, you know, becomes like you in the church calendar. And so then yeah. like Christmas became like more of, more of a full-time monthly process, you know? So, uh, so I appreciate it a lot more. I think, I, you know, now that we have decorations and, and you know, in, in, in a country, in Europe, you know, people put up your, I guess in the States, you get your lights up and everything, uh, you know, but here it's like, you know, at, when Advent starts, like all the lights go up and there's just really this sense of Christmas of, you know, yeah. It's, yeah, and it's, it's a same. little less commercial here too. Uh, but oh well, it's gotten really commercial here. It's starting uh, it's, to get that way, but it's still it started out not that way when we moved here. Well, when my wife moved here 15 years ago, but when I moved here 13 years ago, it it, it um, yeah, it, it was not that way. I mean, it, back then, gosh, on on Saturdays and sun, Sundays, store all stores were closed, yeah. and uh, yeah, or most here. the vast majority yeah. of them were closed. Same here. And on Saturdays, they closed at like three in the afternoon. Yeah. It was fantastic. So yeah, so no, Advent was different. Uh, now there's a lot more commercialism, uh, but I do I do appreciate the the amount that Advent is around um, yeah. for us because I didn't I didn't grow up with it either. Like you, yeah. I was a typical uh, free church or what do we yeah. call that evangelical low, church? Low, low church. church. Yeah, yeah. No, no creeds. No, no, no liturgy. But you know what's no. interesting is. There's kind of a movement among even low churches, it seems like these days, to bring Advent and some of the creeds and different aspects yeah. about things back in. I mean, um, you've got some real interesting things going on. It would, be, it would have been interesting to talk to Maxwell about this, given his heritage. But, you know, yeah. he knows. Um, oh, and now I'm blanking on the pastor's name. I think he's a pastor in Kansas City. What is his name? He comes out of a charismatic movement, but he's kind of left that now but they do a lot more high church things he's a lot more yeah. open to um why can i not think of his name anyway whatever some guy 
some some dude he said some really important things tweeted out a few things that i thought were interesting there. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so you know here so the the thing that's kind of we've been going on for us is we put for the first time on our our kind of balconies we have these two balconies we put lights uh-huh. outside uh-huh. Uh-huh. And kids and everyone's like you can't do that i'm like why not but no one does it because there's lights in the right. street you know right someone does that you don't see it so you know uh my my daughter actually so she was she went to get her haircut and the lady was talking about there's someone put these lights up in the you know the stairs <laughs> over there and she's like, oh that's my house so anyway, but anyway so I, you know we were I, but the other day i was walking and i saw some guy his you know his balcony so you know, you know these are all part we all live in apartment buildings you know it's yeah. uh, his balcony he had gone full uh christmas vacation like what, what no what's way. The, that's what's awesome. the name of that family what's chevy chase um, chevy chase yeah but in the the, the, the griswold he gone full clark, clark griswold he gone and he had it was like glowing he had stars he had flashing lights he had so many lights so i was like all right i know what i need to do next year Ch- the challenge has been accepted <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna this guy's one up me by way too much so uh, he's probably not spanish he's probably he's probably some american guy it's probably is i i absolutely love the movie christmas vacation there it's are of course movie. crass things in there that yeah. should not be endorsed but that movie save the neck for me clark i mean just just the whole movie is just fantastic i With, love it there's a, so there's something fascinating there okay so we have in america this kind of tradition of christmas like you have your very serious christmas movies and our you know we but we have a whole kind of tradition of kind of absurdity around christmas yep. yeah like that's christmas true. vacation elf which is a elf right. one of my elf fantastic movies yeah yeah and then, and then in texas we we have of course song merry christmas from the family yeah, by robert alkeen oh. which is fantastic but it, these are kind of the low end of christmas you know but but still end with a with a hopeful right they're, they're still yeah. hopeful about family yeah. about you know uniting people but they're kind of it, a, it, they're, it's they're a little common. bit of, those are those are embracing the messy of of family aren't they yeah I mean, that's part of it yeah no that's actually true well american comedy is tends to be absurd anyway yeah um, so that is that is what we do but yeah no christmas vacation elf those are fantastic yeah and there's a bunch more yeah I mean, there's tons you know we have this whole do you have do you have a favorite genre. go-to christmas movie so it doesn't oh, have to be comedy, just any kind of movie. Oh, we always watch Elf as a family, just because it's yeah. it's just such a fun, fun movie. And uh, I think we watched the. Um, Can oh, anyone oh. in your family not rewatch movies? Like, oh no, we watched that. I don't want to watch it again. No, we all can watch over and over. Do y'all do y'all go through the endless cycle when it's time to pick a movie or something? The endless cycle of vetoes. Yeah, it can be a little tricky. Oh. And we've got kids at very different life stages. Yeah. So oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You range quite a few years. Yeah. So for there's us, some things that Violet can't watch. She's too young. Yeah. We we do a lot of, um, you know, we'll do a movie like on Friday nights with pizza or something. And, and uh, but we've gotten to where we don't even tell the kids what we're going to watch. Because yeah, inevitably, if we just play it, they love it. Generally yeah. speaking, we yeah. had one recently that was a bit of a fail, but, but, um, but it, they, yeah, no, they'll just accept it if we just go, okay, here's a movie we're, we're playing. But if like we're, we show them the trailer, they'll go, no, nah, I don't want to watch that. Yeah. And so anyway, so we've just decided we we just play the movie. What's the, the other one we always watch is, uh, gosh, I can't remember the name. It's it's the it's a Christmas story. It's the Hollywood one they did a while ago. It's really good. 
You mean like got, you'll shoot your eye out Christmas story? No, 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 no. The actual Christmas story of Jesus. Oh. <laughs> Although Christmas story is another great movie. The nativity? Uh, it's got the guy from Star Wars. The nativity, yes, yes. It's got yeah. the guy from Star Wars. Oh gosh, we should show that to our kids. It's a it's a good it's a good movie. I would it's not yeah, you know, it's, it's not super, you know, nothing blows up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Which, in my opinion, is all the worse for it. Really, yeah. Jesus. There's no, there's, Why couldn't no, have something blown up? <laughs> no gun battles or flying, but but it's it's a really good telling of the of the nativity story. Uh, huh. I thought I, so. We usually we watch that, um, and then Elf. Those are the two movies every Christmas. Hey, do you know what a Haru spec is? No. So a Haru spec is people who who try to tell. Um, divination by virtue of entrails. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, what does it all what does it all mean? Uh, it seems to me, uh, it seems to you and me, because we talked about this before we started our podcast, that uh, this was a terrible shift. I think I dropped the transmission mm-hmm. on this shift, but um, uh, it's, it's, uh, no, it's it's good. Yeah, we, we we learned something about we learned what a Hari spec is. Our Hari spec. I think it, yeah. it. I could be right. I could be wrong. I. I think that's what it means though. And I'm only getting this from reference from another podcast that I was listening to earlier in the week on my run. Um, But anyway, be that as it may, there are those who take the entrails of things and then try Mm -hmm. to understand the the tides. Um, We have had. um, Yes, we have had a series of three incredible episodes Mm -hmm. of. Oh, very good. This is actually a very good transition. Sorry. Yeah. The the rapid rapid podcast. Um, but so I like being able to chat with you about things and that's in part what this podcast is. So, uh, the experts or the people that we've had on have been fantastic, uh, but it might be Mm -hmm. good to pull out some entrails and kind of, what does it all mean? (laughs) Do some interpretation, uh, or even reflections upon that. So, um, in, in no particular order today, uh, why don't we just talk about kind of your big takeaways, my big takeaways, uh, without having, without having at all prepared for this, um, yeah. shoot from the hip and see what we see, what we hit. Sounds um, good. No, that's, that, that's a first rate. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good transition. That's yeah. I, mean, I think I give you nine out of 10 on the transition. Hey, I appreciate that. I that's appreciate really, that. Wow. really good. Ones. That's, that's really, really good. great. Uh, so, okay. So, so what, at, at this point, I mean, there's there's so much to talk about because recently we had, uh, you know, Deb and Sean on. Uh, we've gotten a gr- lot of great feedback from that episode of people just saying, wow, that was really helpful, really yeah. good. Um, we had Maxwell on. Uh, I got an email from a pastor friend of mine uh, who's playing a church, said, man, that was so refreshing. Um, and then um, uh, Randy Newman is just a, an incredible mind on evangelism. Yeah. So there's a lot, there's lots to unpack there. I don't know if you have any particular areas that you're just like, oh, this is what I want to start on. Uh, but what does it all mean to you? I think I think it means uh, I put the I put the pressure on you in this instance. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice how no, I did that? <laughs> I, th- I think all of it means is that we have to really. I don't want to say the word rethink, but I think we really have to um, rethink, <laughs> <Pivot>. <laughs> recalibrate, recalibrate how we we think and talk and imagine and uh dream about evangelism Mm -hmm. Uh, and and i don't think we're that far off in general uh but maybe when i'm speaking more as an organization like crew i'm uh you know 
that isn't principally an, an, an evangelistic organization one that is t- talking about we want to communicate we want everyone to know about jesus but we want to communicate the gospel is that we have to i think we have to take some you know some some rethinking as an as an organization but even maybe it's even the wider uh church and when i say church i'm talking evangelical to catholic to orthodox to how we how we how we communicate the gospel uh because they're you know and i think something down the road when you get into because there's there's still going to be that argument that says well you shouldn't even you don't even need to communicate where, where are we that's because that's violence or that's propaganda and i think between that and between we just need to hand people tracks and you know and i, and I realize those are two straw men i'm kind of pushing to the extremes because you know that's what you do you create two straw I, men on your I right find, or your left and you find yourself I, in the middle you're like this is this I, is why i'm I right find, i find my best <laughs> arguments are formed with straw men <laughs> yeah, yeah but but those straw men have elements of truth you know in the in the, in the, in the polarization of the, con- of the of the conversation so we can but people should be aware that we understand that things aren't as simple but i think you know so, so i think i think that's where well, okay that's so but I what do you get. what do you mean we need to what do you mean to rethink are, are there specific pacific elements that you think we should rethink i can't talk today <laughs> It's Friday, and honestly, I'm I'm in kind of a weird mood. So this is this it's might be a terrible one. podcast, or it could be awesome, or the best one ever. Uh, I don't know. I, that's a good question. I think between those two poles of let's just get the message out there, and all right, it doesn't matter. Uh, and you know, we can't force things on people. Okay, and I would say both of those are true statements, right? We should get the message out there, and we shouldn't force things on people. What, but what is that? What, what, what is the conversation we're actually going to have? What are we actually going to do? And, and that, and I think that I'm going to introduce a, a term here uh, that I think what, and it's just kind of coming to me right now. So I'm just going to riff here. We need in the world of evangelism uh, and communicating us, we need to become reflective practitioners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so reflective practitioners are people who are doing ministry in, in the ministry, doing it on the field, but they're thinking, constantly thinking, imagining, and, and, and dreaming uh, with the information they have, with the things they're learning, with the reality of the context they're in. They're, they're, you're constantly evolving your what you're doing, right? And, and I think we need to be doing that. Particularly as Christians, our reflection needs to always have tied back to the tradition and the theology that we, we deeply believe in. We can't abandon that. Uh, so it doesn't mean what I'm not saying is that we just become constantly evolving. And so, you know, methods or, or whatever, or style, you know, that's a, a lot of what was evangelical evangelism was just get someone cool looking, you know, kind of at its yeah. core. And that was kind of, it was kind of the packaging was the most important thing, right? Well, packaging, could, nothing that's not good. I think we could go to Hillsong, New York to find out how that how yeah. that's turned out yeah, yeah. he's not the yeah, only well. guy to have moral failings there's plenty of there's plenty yeah. of uh plenty of ridiculous uh you know not cool people who are who are have had moral failings so yeah and there's plenty of very cool people who are incredibly um have a ton of integrity and you know, touche so. touche good so, good point so. sorry yeah for everyone that i offended <laughs> with that um so but it's but the point is that the the packaging is not so what I'm trying to say is we probably need to rediscover what, you know, what did G, what was Jesus? What did, how did Jesus share the gospel? How did Jesus talk to people? We probably need to rediscover that, that core. And then how does that look at what we're doing today and the context we're in today? 
Yeah, you know, when you talk about being a reflective practitioner, um, I I think I think one of the things that I maybe in in the sense of what or what we're taking away or uh, on on those things, I I for me I would I would totally agree with that that we need to become better at reflecting over what we're doing. Uh, Tim Keller had a great sermon years ago. Um, where he was talking to Desiring God Conference, which I don't think would necessarily be uh, known for its, you know, cutting edge, you know, we're yeah. going to try new things activity. I mean, it, but, and so to its credit, I mean, Tim Keller came out and was talking about um, the devil's in too deep was kind of his big thing of when, when it comes to evangelism, um, we have to recognize that the culture has shifted and what used to work. And so he referenced, he, he didn't, he didn't specifically name the four laws, but he referenced the four laws or, or other, other ones that um, we've used over the years. But his, I, I go back to this sermon quite a bit. Um, we should really start doing show notes and start linking these things. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things we should, and there's a lot of things that we're just never going to do, uh, <laughs> at least at the moment. Uh, but if someone listening wants to become an intern for us and do that, I am very happy to allow you to do that. Anyway, uh, so he he uh, he happens to he just lays out in this sermon just such a good perspective of we. This is the f- problem that we face in the secular world is the challenge that we face is so big, it can't actually be solved by one person. Mm-hmm. Um, the evangelism that we need hasn't come forth yet is, is what he would say, but we need lots of people thinking about it and reflecting yeah. on it. And so I would say, not only do we need to become a reflective leader, but we need to become reflective leaders within community of leaders. So, or reflective practitioners rather, uh, yeah. within communities of practitioners. So we need this cross homogenization of, of, um, information passing back and forth and learning from each other, shared learning. So, you know, Deb and Sean are AG, but they've brought such an incredible, um, you know, resource to Presbyterians or whoever else. Like it doesn't matter that they happen to be AG or, you know, whatever else. I mean, it just is, we got to get in this ship together. That's actually one thing that I, that I think is, is we see a little bit more in Europe. Um, is because there's maybe so few Christians, there is becoming an openness among the body of Christ to go, wait a second, we can't do all this on our own. The time of being our own island is past. So I think that's a really good thing. I think that's a good development. Yeah. That's something Stefan Poss talks about in his book, Church Planning in the Secular West, I believe it's called. He talks about the need for laboratories. He talks about setting up communities that are, that are doing mission, but also learning and then, and trying things and, and being willing to fail even, or being willing to, you know, and I think you know, in some sense, I think, you know, with crew in Europe, I guess we're, we're a little bit like that. Cause we, we do have that kind of a little bit of that freedom or maybe a lot of that freedom to go, well, let's, let's start a group over here that does ministry on the Camino de Santiago. I mean, that's, that's kind of a laboratory in and of itself off on the side doing its own thing, yep. you know? So there's a lot of that. So I, I think, you're seeing that happen. Maybe we're not, we're not consciously. So that's where I think reflective needs to come in. We need to be reflective that, wait, this stuff's happening. Good stuff's happening. How do we really 
take it and digest it, think about it with other people, you know, put it in laboratory setting and see what happens. So, so I want to be, I want to be very clear with, with my next statement. No leader has ever come to me, anyone above me within our organization or outside of our organization and come to me and said, here's the numbers you have to get. No one has ever given me a quota. Okay. Yeah. So my, my comment about numbers here needs to be tempered with that yeah. idea. There yeah. are no quotas in the the environment we swim in. Everyone no. just wants us to go out there and do the best we can and, yeah. and make Jesus known as best we can. Okay. So yeah, that's we, the, we but, have a lot but of, we do, we do take measurements and, and, and things. Um, there, there seems to be though, I want I want to make sure I present this. It, there is a danger that if you're raising support or if you're trying to uh, motivate people to give towards the mission, which we need money in order to do it, we need, you know, a certain amount of uh, money has to be given and manpower and everything else. It can't be done without resources. And so you need to motivate people to give. And so you write newsletters or different things like that. But there is a, there is a destructive temptation to in the, I've got to get out there. I don't think anyone is out there thinking, okay, I've got to produce numbers, but to justify our existence, so to speak, we can get caught up in busyness. So I got to do these things. The more busy that someone is, the more things that a person has on their plate, because we, we want to, we want to do well in the ministry. And so yeah. we busy ourselves yeah. with things and there's so many opportunities. Let's be honest. Like, it's not like any missionary is sitting around going, I just don't have anything to do. Maybe there are some, but I don't think there's that many of them. Okay. Usually there's more to do than they could possibly ever uh, yeah. imagine. Okay. But within all of that, if we stay too busy with either trying to make sure for any reason, so it could be numbers or it could be just, it's just, you got good things to do. Yeah. There's not space to be reflective. Yeah. yeah. I, it, it, it takes the, a the long. You, you, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you, you, you've got to make time for it. Uh, you know, I think one thing you see in a lot of, you know, leadership training now at, at, you know, the high, higher levels or people is, is the, the idea that as a leader, you have to schedule time to think. So, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, that's something that should be built in. Uh, our good friend Paul Duncan would say it's something you, as a leader you have to build in time to think, uh, even if you're hyper busy. You, you know, what's interesting is the longer I'm in leadership, the more time I need to think. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of stuff um, going on. Yeah, I mean, there's just too many things coming at you too fast. And it's not just evangelism, although I think that that's, you know, that's a huge area where we need to be thinking. But, you know, it's just different things, whether it be staff issues or direction issues or whatever else. You know, how do you how do you tackle the world that we're in without being able to think? And um, so I do some of my best thinking these days walking. Um, yeah. It just helps me loosen up. And the kinetic part of that just really begins to unravel some of my thinking, which is fantastic. Uh, but then reading other things, I think engaging, I have to have something that I can engage with. And to be honest, that I can challenge. Um hello, Enneagram eight, but you know, I have to have something I can push back against. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's a, I think that's an important thing is that in, out of that pushing back and that, you know, it, it sharpens your thinking, it sharpens your perspective. It also helps elucidate the the idea that you are for or against or trying, you know, so I think, 
I think it's important that, you know, there's conflict of, of ideas. That's, that's, that's important because that's only, yeah. that's how, that's how, the, that's how we move things forward. Yeah. That's how we move know. things forward. Yeah. So when it, when it comes to, when it comes to evangelism or when it, when it comes to ministry, um, so one of the things that you and I were talking about even before this started was we may have moved beyond a postmodern world. We we might be in a post postmodern world. Yeah. We're still secular in large yeah. measure, but but we're we've now moved on. So the way that we were distinguishing those things, and I think this becomes relevant in maybe some of the episode that we were talking about with with Deb and Sean, but also into Maxwell and also into Randy Newman. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be. Well, that's your truth. This is my truth. I'm okay with that. It's okay. And yeah, see, that's cool. Yeah. So, so anytime we try to bring it, I think it's important when you think in terms of where the culture, quote unquote, is at. Um, this does not mean that postmodernism thought, postmodern thought, does not still exist. Yeah. It actually shows up, and it doesn't mean that a person who is now shifted to what we're going to talk about doesn't have any postmodern thinking in them. They may arbitrarily think at some point in a certain way, but then other things. They may so they may reject postmodernism in certain areas of their life, but yeah, in, in totally. other areas they're totally a postmodernist. Yeah. Why why we think that this is not possible when we talk about evangelism and discipleship, I don't understand. Like yeah. all the resources tend to go, this person's postmodern, this or you know, or this is where the culture's at. And then we think these things are mutually exclusive, but no human being goes through life approaching it like that. So that's yeah. caveat yeah. number one. Yeah. But where I do think that we're at, and this is where I'd I'd love your thoughts are, is currently we have, we're realizing that even some of the things that we thought were good are uncomfortable. So whether it be missions, foreign missions, you know, and colonialism and reconciling those two, or even Michael Medital and I were, were texting last night and he, he was saying that um, he, uh, he listened to a podcast on Wesley. Wesley and his wife separated because he was yeah. never at home. And because when he was at home, he was never with the family. He was always distracted by the things he had to do. Well, there's no doubt Wesley was a powerful force for the kingdom of God, but he was also a really flawed human being. But what we tend to do now is we tend to throw, I don't know how to explain it. And you probably, I want to hear your thoughts on this, but we throw the baby out with the bathwater. And we've moved into kind of that kind of thinking where I feel like we're a little bit, maybe even all fundamentalists now. And to some degree. Yeah, there's, well, a a couple, I think, I think, that's a really good observation. And there's a sense, a growing sense of that, right. Of uh, his history has become history and, and the media have become the battleground, right. Mm -hmm. A huge battleground uh, for, for whatever you want to call it. But uh, you know, that's how we're and and part of that is all those things, I guess, you know, are are talking about identity. And I think, so I think post-modified, you know, it was always uh, unsustainable. The fact that postmodern thought was always, you know, very, very superficial, and then very the the personal the personalness of truth. So my truth, your truth. So every, everyone's got their truth. Well, that was never going to hold because. Uh, and so I think you know, but if we if we go back to postmodernism's core identity or core definition as as um, an incredulity for meta narratives, right? So mm-hmm. a disbelief in these big stories that communism, fascism capitalism they don't they don't work for us what we're seeing now is like well that just created this huge fragmentation and now people i think are wanting to reconstruct it seems maybe if i mean we, we we're probably way out of our debt we're in the deep end of the swimming pool without our floaties right now but uh <laughs> that's but, the exact picture i had 
<laughs> but but if we want to say people, it seems that people are trying to reconstruct narratives, you know, yeah. to, to make yep. sense of the future and our, our current and our past. And in that, within a secular mindset, so we have to understand like people, even as Christians, we're reconstructing narratives that we don't probably need to but as a society, we have to, right? So we're part of that process. Uh, so what does that mean? Well, at the core of that is still what I would say is what, what Sean and Deborah talking about is personal project, you know? Yeah. Is that the best thing we can do is create a system where everyone feels good about, you know, and what's happening, I guess. But and if, but it yeah. seems like if you, if you can't agree with that, then they, they don't know what to do with that. Uh, they you know, don't know what to do with... Uh, those who are not fitting in that, in those, in those boxes. So that, that, and so before you would go, Oh, well, that's okay. That's your thing. You guys go over there and do that. And now they're saying, Oh, these people don't agree with us on this. That's not good. We have to figure out how to win them on one yep. hand. You have some people saying win them into it. Others is maybe we're going to force them into it or exclude them, just exclude them from. So that you see that, that conversation seems to be going on. I think is what you're maybe hitting at. So I think that's a very, it's an epistemological, I believe it's an epistemological shift away from relativism to something of saying, well, no, we got to get our act together. Now, okay, where I want to go with this to finish real quick is Richard Bauckham, a biblical scholar, wrote a great book a long time ago. Bauckham passed away recently. I believe it's called The Bible and Postmodernism or Mission in Postmodernism. And he makes the case that Christianity is not a meta narrative. Because it is a narrative that comes from below. It is a suffering servant meta narrative. So it's not concerned with power. It's not concerned with creating a huge story that explain, explains political, socioeconomics. What, what, what our world is concerned about are those things like who's going to be in power? Who's going to, you know, and the Bible obviously has something to say about that. It's, it's uh, yeah, maybe, maybe it's not explaining, but rather maybe it's, um, trying to provide a solution to the problem of i don't i don't know well no maybe that wouldn't be it okay keep going sorry i need to shut up yeah no, no that's right so so what, i think what it, the difference is is that because christianity historically is 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 from below yeah right it ha it's it's a narrative for sure and it is in it is the meta narrative right but on a political scale on a uh economic scale on a on a, on a what what meta narratives are defined as from a purely um, economic, cultural, uh, political concept within the postmodern idea? It's not a narrative because it's, it's it's not trying. You know, Christianity is not saying we need to create a cultural system that uh, controls the world or makes the world do a certain thing. Right. Right. Christianity right. is just saying love your neighbor. Uh, love God and serve people, and right. so Islam. Islam, you could say, is is a meta-narrative because it, it it strives to impose a political, social, uh, a cultural political, construct. Social, right. Well, Christianity. I mean, now Christianity at times has done that. So don't get me wrong. But that's that's when usually we've gone off the rails. Well, right? and and the eschatology of Christianity will eventually yeah. solve those issues. Yeah, but we're, yeah. We're, we're, we're it's the now, but not yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It well, and it, it, it like I said, it, it it's it's actually the final narrative. It is the narrative. Right. So, but whether right. people believe that or do anything about it doesn't really matter, because it'll that's what's going to happen. You right. know, that's what we believe, and that. Right. But that's not. And when I say that too, is you know, if you're listening to me, well, that sounds very authoritarian. I'm like, well, yeah, but it's 
is not the ushering in of a root, you know, mean King who's going to make everything. It's a, the ushering in of, of eternal love and joy, you right. know, is, is what we're talking about. So just, so we're, we're clear we're not just talking so we're, about just so we're clear <laughs> so we're clear we're not you know and amway everybody knows that in the kingdom there will yeah. be amway and hillsong amway. music um so 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 funny story i was in a uh conference one time and uh our friend paul duncan uh someone was up on stage speaking and they were making the point of you know heaven's going to be awesome. You know, what kind of music are we going to sing? We don't even know. And he leans over to me and goes, everyone knows it's going to be Hillsong music. <laughs> um, so actually this whole idea about metanarrative and, and, and that it comes from below that actually bleeds into what I think a lot of what Maxwell Thomas was talking about. Yeah. Right? Of, yeah. of it is the, it is Philippians chapter two. It is the submission of Jesus Christ um, to become man and to serve and to love his enemies. And that then frees the Christian up in the, in the political realm in all realms. It doesn't mean that the Christian doesn't vote. It doesn't mean that the Christian isn't politically active. It doesn't mean anything, but rather that the Christian is based in something much bigger and better than the need for political power or financial power or any kind of power, because Jesus ultimately usurps that or, and, and will win in that, um, via yeah. we, we live in an upside down world. Yeah. Uh, well, cause the Christians called to that. Yeah. Cause true power comes from love and service. That's, that, that's, yeah. that's ultimately why God right. is saying is like true power. Yeah. You, that's, that's what true power is. Well, right. Maybe which, that sounds which, bad, but which then, which then should, one of the points I think Maxwell was making and that we make often on this, which then should redefine what we think success is. Mm, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because success doesn't mean getting power. It doesn't mean having the most. It doesn't even mean, this is a tension I'm, I'm currently trying to work through. So these are a little bit raw. In the Bible, it talks about being a good steward of our talents and our money and everything else and you know all of those things. But on the other hand, God praises the widow who gives two mites and isn't necessarily concerned with the number of dollars. And even what we think is the ultimate, let's say, return on investment. That's a crude way to put it. But so here's what I mean about that. Um, if, If there's a conference that brings thousands and thousands of people in by a worldly system, I should be as a, as a donor, I should be investing in that because it's producing numbers of a certain scale. If I'm just looking from worldly measure, yeah. but in God, but in God's kingdom, it might be that the small amount that's needed, that's invested in the missionary or in the school or whatever else in a place that doesn't ever seem really successful is actually in God's eyes, the wiser investment. So this is, this is where I have a hard time parsing those things out, but I do think that in part, that's a little bit of what Maxwell was talking about too, is that it's an upside down kingdom and it doesn't work the way that we think it works. Yeah. I w- yesterday I, I, sometimes I do uh, this, I have this devotional called Celtic daily prayer or I don't know, you see Celtic or Celtic. Uh. I think it's. I, I think it's supposed to say Celtic. I'm not a Boston fan, so I think it's Celtic. So, I think it's supposed to say Celtic. I always say Celtic because I'm like because I grew up. It's a Celtic, so, but it's not written by Larry Bird or Robert Parrish or <laughs> Kevin McHale. It's Celtic, so it should be Celtic, right? Larry, 
There's nothing about Larry Bird in this book. I feel totally weird. Uh, well, anyway, it's, all the, it's all the worst for it. <laughs> yeah, for the for the eleventh, they had this you know series of there were this this was the theme of the the little devotional, and it got into Amy Carmichael, right? Huh. Amy Carmichael, the thing, and she she wrote a book. I so said these things I don't know called His Thoughts and His Father. No, his thoughts said, his father said, that's what it's in the book. And in the book, she said something like this is, the son said, but I am not successful. His father said, at the end of the day, will my word be? Come thou good, wait, sorry, sorry, let me start over again. I kind of missed that up. (laughs) He said, the son said, but I am not successful. And his father said, at the end of the day, will my word be, come thou good and successful servant? If only thou wilt walk humbly with thy God, it will be, come thou good and faithful servant. We are not called to be successful, but faithful. Relax. Mm. We, and we've talked about this in the past, you know, but I, I just felt that that was a really good, you know, God doesn't, he, he, it's true. He's a, you know, welcome, good and faithful servant. He didn't say, and, you welcome, know, he, good, and, good and successful servant. And he even says the first will be last, you know, the last will be yeah. first. So, yeah. you know, it, yeah, it, I'm, there's, I'm, I'm, it's I'm a really hard convinced. thing. I'm fairly convinced that in heaven, in some uh, some way, somehow, to be honest, the the sinner who shows up in the church who everyone looks at and is like, man, why can't they get their life together? Um, will will be closer to Jesus than than the most yeah. successful evangelist in 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 that country or or whatever else because um, because only it is only God who who sees in the dark. Yeah, and and that's we, and we that's all, the power of grace. Yeah, it is. It is because, I mean, I think I think God we will, sees the we'll person. We'll all applaud that. We we'll, we will all right. applaud that. Even if right. we're in the back, we'll go. That is that is it. Yeah, we because we'll understand what it may, yeah. means, right? Yeah. Because I I do think that that's okay. So for example, um, so okay, so I'm tall or mm-hmm. relative on a relative scale. Relative I'm scale. taller than my wife. I'm okay, so I can get things that are high in the cabinet. Um, the way that I approach, if this becomes my analogy, the way that I approach in my flesh, the Christian life is, um, wow, God, aren't I great because I can reach tall things, things that are high in a cabinet. Yeah, yeah. And the way that the world applauds me is, wow, look at that person. It was easy for him. He's successful because he can reach the tall things in the cabinet. And I go through my life arrogantly thinking that I'm great because I could reach those things and it was easy for me. But I think the way God looks at it is he looks at my daughter who looks at that cabinet and goes, okay, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to try who fails, but who says God's good. I'm going to keep trying to do reach that tall thing in the cabinet, if that makes sense. And she may never actually get the thing, but she's remained faithful to try to get the thing. And I think God looks at that and he says, that is faithfulness. Just because I got it easy, I don't necessarily think that that means that um that it's going to be that way if, if, if that if that makes sense okay so <laughs> my, the, when we got cut off i think where we got cut off we'll have to go back and figure this out in the editing but um my, my point was that i'm tall and i can easily reach things that are that are high but my daughter is short mm-hmm. and she can't the world looks at that and says, look at Vera, isn't he successful because I have these natural 
let's say privilege is a the only way to say it, but that's easy for me. But I don't think that's the way God looks at it for my daughter. I don't think he looks at her and says, why can't you reach that stuff? You're, you're less than or whatever. He looks at it and says, have you remained faithful to try to reach that? If that's what I've, you know, commanded or whatever else. And therefore he judges it completely differently than I think we do. It doesn't mean that my reaching it was bad. It it's fine. It is. And I should be thankful for that. And I should give praise to God, but it, but it also doesn't mean that it's without, he just judges it differently. And I think that's an important thing for us to, to, I don't know, take away from all of that. Yeah. I, I think, I think you're, 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 you're dead on. And um, I think really what, you know, what God wants is a broken heart. Yeah. And, but, the, but the, the God breaks our heart, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it's a tricky thing, but there's this whole thing of grace and love that we've really got to, I'll just read a quick line from a U2 song since I'm kind of a U, U2 freak, but uh, Yahweh, the song Yahweh, where they say, Bono sings, take this city, a city should be shining on a hill. Take this city if it be your will. What no man can own, no man can take. Take this heart and make it break. Mm. So, you know, what he's getting at there is, it, it it's about a broken heart. Our heart breaks for the world, breaks for God, you know, and that's, so I think that's going to be the, the, the poor in spirit, right? The poor in spirit of the ones will inherit the earth. And, right. You know, you and me being, you know, moderately capable guys who've been moderately successful in the world, you know, it's, it's hard, probably harder for our heart to break. Yeah. Uh, as, as, as maybe for someone who, you know, it's not that I can't, you know, but, uh, when I say, I'm, you know, small tastes of, you know, uh, success. Right. Yeah. Like I, like I own, a, I own a watch and I get out of bed, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, but I, I had I a really good run at FIFA, FIFA, you know, 96 or, you know, or, I think think that's part of part of what you know I don't know one of my big takeaways from even just talking about missions or talking about things with Maxwell is that is that it is the God invites us into a walk of humility to make Jesus known an opportunity to live as a Christian in the context that we're given and to to be a Christ follower and um, I don't I don't know that there's an how do I say it there's enough there to keep me busy that I, that I probably should focus less on strategy. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying strategy is not good. Like my entire week has been nothing but meetings about strategy yeah, and it's yeah. been a really good week and it's helped, you know, it's helping our organization. And yeah, I'm, and I'm thankful just, that the Lord's brought, yeah. yeah, I'm thankful that the Lord's brought the leaders that we have. Okay. So like, in a 40 hour week, I've spent about 30 of it just talking about strategy and planning and being yeah. a good steward. But what's changing in my heart is those are no longer my horses and my chariots. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. Like I, I think I used to put so much faith in the strategy that it was my horse and my chariot and I was trusting in it rather than, okay, Lord, I, and, and, and so if, if you're listening out there and you're not guilty of making strategy, your horse and your chariot, then be released from my for my sin. Cause that's, yeah. you know, that's my thing to own. But I do think there's that pitfall that we can fall into or that pit yeah. that we can fall into as, as ministers. 
yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a fine line, but, but once again, you gotta go back to the, like the prodigal son, you know, the guy who shows up with nothing gets it all, you know? Yeah. And what we have very little, we very little of what we can do has any value, uh, unfortunately for us, but as any value to, to God. And that's, uh, so that's just a, that's a heart. It's it, it when we the more I you know look at the Christian life, the more and more I get to, get to is is this something that has to go on in your heart, where we get strip away all this, you know, our own security and insecurity and needs and and just you know really drill it down into into Jesus and and what He has done for us and and in that we're transformed to then go out and do mission, go out and do you know share the gospel. And, I, and and so that 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 may be where we're you know another the conversation is is you know uh, and I think this kind of came up in you know, workplace with uh, our friend Brian uh, was talking about you know what is our what's our motivation yeah for evangelism is our right. is our motivation a deep love for God and a deep love for our neighbor or is it to get a strategy done or to check off a list or to feel good about ourselves. Or to, yeah, or yeah, to feel good about ourselves or to feel, uh, accomplished, validated, accomplished accolades. Yeah. All of those things. Uh, those are, <laughs> those are the tough things. I was, I was actually walking in Madrid last week or two weeks ago. I was in there for, for a work meeting that got That's canceled. That got, that got canceled while I was there. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, uh, that's why. Um, and there was someone, you know, I, I recognized it immediately. But someone standing on a box preaching mm. in the in the in the main square in uh, Puerto del Sol uh, with people around them who clearly were not who were in the same organization, right? You know, yeah. because they they all looked the same, and they were, you know, <laughs> but none, none none of the passerby's were stopping, you know. And and I look at that and I go. God bless those people. Those people want to do something. They want to serve God. They're, yeah. they're trying their best. And maybe, you know, if they do that every day for a year, they'll get a few people, you know, and got, and, and so blessings to that, you know, but I'm just wondering all the people walking by thousands of people walking by and even me going, eh, come on guys, you know, and I'm on their side, you know, and I, I, I want to, you know, but, but I, I, you know, and that goes back to, you know, kind of Sean and Debs talking about secular people, Maxwell talking about, we really love, we're really entering into the world of people, those people who need Jesus. And then, you know, Randy, I think Randy did a great job. I think two things from Randy that I took away were the need for time, people need time for the gospel, in the gospel before they got, and they need a community. They need, they need to be able to be a part of a, a group of people or see a group of people or you know, process with a group of people. And I thought those were, and I, I just, you know, looking at that thing in Madrid and just, it's like, it's not bad, but it's just, I just feel bad because you're, you're wait, you could be spending time with a non-Christian getting a coffee right now and it would be so, much more profound. And so, so I, I want to be careful. Of, I don't want to be, I don't want to be too critical, but. Apropos know. of Randy, he, Randy has some of the best stories. If you ever get a chance to, I think everyone should just, buy all of Randy's stuff and then also listen to Randy because I think he's an incredible mind, especially when it comes to evangelism. But yeah. he's also, to be honest, one of the most 
he, he's a very good speaker and he knows how to tell a story. And uh, he tells a story of, um, he lives in the Washington DC area. And, um, and so he was on the Metro shortly after 9-11 when which, um, you know, it's tensions are always high after everything was changing. And, yeah. and uh, so they're all sitting there on the Metro one day and this person uh, comes on uh, the Metro and, uh, and says, excuse me, everybody, I just need your attention for a moment, please. And everyone's like, uh-oh, what's going on? <laughs> and then the person starts singing, and I forget what hymn it is, but it's like, my faith is based on nothing less than Schofield notes and scripture press or whatever it is. Yeah. And, uh, and this woman puts her, I think this is how the story goes. Randy, if you, we'll have you on to recorrect my story, but I think she like puts her hands over her ears. is like, no, no, stop it. Stop it. And so the guy <laughs> finishes, she's just yelling through the whole thing. <laughs> and, then, and then, so he gets off at the next stop and goes on to the next car and she just looks at him and she goes, he gets on here every day. <laughs> and it's just, it's like, it's just such a good picture of like, yeah. And the heart's there, man. The heart's there. Yeah, but yeah, they're good. It's good. It's a good person. Might be missing the point. Might be missing the point. And maybe you, there's a different way. Not to a reflective this. practitioner. Let's just say. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> and uh, but that's actually what Randy is. Randy is an incredibly reflective practitioner. And since we had Randy on, um, I was thinking about a story that he told. I think it was after we were we were finished. I it, I don't think he would mind me sharing this because I've I've heard him share it publicly before. But he was talking about how it, um, how in uh, Colorado at our one of our big staff conferences, um, you know, they had on it was kind of the parade of, you know, what God's doing throughout the country and the U.S. campus ministry, and and awesome to hear stories about success and just what God's doing. But it was he the way he put it was it was parade of, it was it was a parade of person after person from mostly southern or big, you know, uh, universities with evangelical presence. So a couple of them, I, I won't mention the ones he mentioned, but anyway, and, you know, they would get up there and man, it's just awesome what God's doing. And of course here he's languishing in Baltimore where it was like impossible to see anything happen. And, and, you know, they would ask, uh, you know, okay, so how are you seeing this happen and what are you doing? What, how are, you know, yeah. and, and the person would say, well, we're, we're just praying. And he said, I turned to my wife and I, I hit her and I was like, that's what we're missing. We're, we're not praying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, maybe. And so I think part of, part of what I'm walking away from here, I think in, in that moment is I've kind of reflected over our conversation with him and I've reflected over just some of the, we have to, we as an organization, but also the church needs to be listening to the people who are working in hard soil mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they're the ones who are reflecting best because they have to. Yeah. It's the people who are currently seeing quote unquote tons of success. We need to listen to find out what's going on, but we, we fall into a, we, we, it is very easy to stumble and to think that that is therefore a recipe for success. Yeah. And then we start applying that to every context. And when it doesn't work, we say, well, we either need to try harder or double down or, you know, whatever else. When in reality, I think we also need to be bringing in 
the people who are in really tough places because they're doing the cutting edge thinking. So on the one hand, we need the people who are do, seeing success because they're going to help everyone who might be in a similar situation apply that and then begin to see success yeah. in their context. But we also Definitely. need to make sure at the same time, we're lifting up people and listening to people who are in the tough places because they're the ones doing the best thinking. Yeah. And yeah. what at least of my current let's say survey of a lot of Christian podcasts and thinking, we tend to only have the successful people. This is true. This, this, and this creates another massive existential crisis for people is that, and I think you and I have all gone through this and a lot of people we talked to have too, is the, the assumption under all that is if you're not seeing fruit the way we are, you're, there's something wrong with you. You're doing it wrong. Right. If, if if I could just get over there and get it, get involved, I'll fix it for you. You know. Yep. And and I came with that attitude to Europe a little bit. I'm like, yeah, it can't be that. That. So did I. You know. So did I. And uh, you know, and, and talking to other people, I was, dis- I was disabused of that. Of that <laughs> disabused. <laughs> that's a great word. <laughs> wait, wait, that's a quote somewhere. I, this disabuse yourself of that. Someone used that as a put down. Uh. Some point. Anyway. Um, so, so, you know, I've had the similar experience. I have a friend, he's planted a church here in Granada. It's, you know, it's been, I think for Spain, quite successful, but I had another friend who's a pastor, you know, big, big church in Colorado. And he came over and kind of, kind of did the same thing. It was like, you guys just need to pray more. And, <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, you know, and, you know, and, and God bless him. He just, he was trying to help. And, yeah, right. But, I, but, but I always, I always tease my, 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 uh, my friend who's here in Spain because they, they had a, crazy situation where one of their one of the guys who's on their team and member of the church and you know he like he died like he had a you know his heart stopped in the middle of a pharmacy and he was dead and you know it, because it's a small church it really affected the church that but you know he they brought him back he's alive now you know wow. so 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 i always i always tell them he, he needs to go to the states and go around and tell people well, if you can just get a resurrection going in one of your churches, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be, you know, it's, you're, you're going to, it's going to, things are going to take off. Gonna take just off. need a resurrection, you know, and I'm not saying the guy was actually resurrected in the same way, you know, but, but it was for this church, it was a very powerful moment of prayer yeah. of, of growing, of trusting God through something that was very, you know, someone young and in their prime who, who, you know, almost died and was in a very serious situation and would have left a wife and two, three kids and just, you know, and it, so for this church, a group of, you know, 30, 40 people, a small group of people, it was, it was powerful. It was, it was, God was working in their midst in a very intense way. And they, you know, and probably helped them even grow even more beyond that. But, you know, we're going to talk about the churches that have, you know, you know, 50 baptisms, some of them might even have been rebaptized. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, okay, so, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna here's a little bit of a, and I'm not a, saying either of those are bad. I, I you know I want to be careful because God bless, the, but those are two those are two different things that are going on in two different places. Why do we have to try to put them on even keel and go well because you're not seeing what I'm seeing? Yes, something wrong. Right. That's you know but, that's what but, I'm. But I, but I, I think this tired. is this is this is also one of the things that I think is a very real possibility. This is this goes back to my I can I can get things from a high shelf comment. Yeah. How God looks at things, the church of 20 people in a very difficult context who remains faithful to him 
and prays and follows him, but sees many of their children walk away from him and everything else. In God's eyes, that may be the most faithful church. Yeah. Instead of, because in that context, it is incredibly difficult to remain faithful to Jesus. Yeah. It's actually, quote unquote, very easy to remain faithful to Jesus when you go, when you're, when you're involved in a, when you have a critical mass of people where you don't feel like you're the only one. Yeah. Right. It's actually you start to have the problem of people aren't really necessarily. And this is where we get into the debates. Are they Christian or are they not Christian? Well, look, for the people who are when there's only 20 people, I would wager that the vast majority of those people are true Christ followers because there's no there's no they're not getting kudos for showing up. Yeah. Right. They th- There's no reason for them to show up. But for the person who there's lots of people who are showing up in Bentonville, Arkansas, because it is socially advantageous to make sure you show up to the local Baptist church on a Sunday afternoon yeah. or a Sunday morning. And I'm not, and I'm not questioning necessarily people's faith. What I'm saying is interesting things happen when you reach critical mass. And so I'm not saying that we shouldn't reach critical mass. I pray that we reach critical mass because, you know, hopefully more people would hear and everything else, but I just think we need to look at it differently. And, and I think Randy helps Randy and all the conversations we've had recently bring that up. Um, another interesting conversation that, that happened this week as a result of that conversation with Randy was I was, I was texting back and forth with um, another leader within Agape in Europe. And we were talking about, and I'd be interested to hear some of your, if you have any thoughts on this, no mm-hmm. pressure if you don't. Um, but he was asking, he was referencing the comment that we were saying about uh, pl- creating plausibility structures for God and uh, folders for God. and basically saying, okay, well, people don't have the prerequisites to make sense of the gospel message. So what do we need to put? So the problem of law one is not law one, it's word one. Um, And so how do we, how do we backfill those files? And his question was, are there files that we've noticed that people have to have? So what do we have? We notice that are files that are missing. And then what are the files that we think, okay, these are the files that have to be there in order for them to make sense. And then how do you, how do you create those? Um, I, I have thoughts on it, but I don't know if you have thoughts in that, in that regard or what you see in Spain, because Spain, the files in every culture and every person are a little bit different, but I don't know what, what, what you have. You know, I think uh, I I was in a, in a, kind of a, a board meeting, Agape Spain board meeting with some, some, some people who are thinkers and, and, and so they, you know, they were kind of saying something very interesting to me um, because we were asking the question, you know, where, where are opportunities in, in the future in Spain? And, and they were all saying people have, are losing their moorings. Mm. They're, they're, there is not the security. There is not uh, not only the security of like physical security, but there the the mental security is not there. It is it is a, it is a society that needs to be walked along with to be accompanied. They kept saying the word accompany. People need to be accompanied, and I I think you see this more and more. There 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 is just this now almost an ineffable reaching for truth or meaning or belonging constantly for people. And and you see people are are reaching out for stuff and it's hard to find it. 
uh, we've, you know, liquid modernism, we've, we've, we've liquefied our institutions. So what is there left? You know, mm. the self, the self, and that's a very lonely place. And so I think, I think community and just people who are looking out for others, I think, and I think that's what the church, if we do that well, we will become more and more known what we were in the Roman times, which was the people who, you know, took the abandoned babies, took the sick, cared for them i think that there's going to be some we need to lose some things and some people there might be some uh winnowing that goes on for us to be able to really do that but but by and large you know if you go out to africa who, who are the people who are helping the aids orphans who are the people helping people dying of aids they, they were christians still yeah. are yep uh governments too i'm not saying it's not but you know the people in the front lines with the christians Will we be the Christians, I think, in community that offer up hope and, and meaning to people? So I, th- I think a lot of it's going to be in community in, our, in the world we're in. I think there's, there's, there's an element that we of, uh, you know, the, the apologetic or, or belief area, too, that is important. I'm still struggling with that a little bit because I'm not entirely sure. And we're not maybe as far deep into that. Most Spaniards, you know, I think where you see Shauna Deb's thinking is, is still a lot of people believe, you know, they believe yeah. in something, they believe in God, uh, they like Jesus. So we're still in a very, you know, the Southern Europe is still, there's still that hints of that religion. So we don't maybe have need the, the, the mental files to be so important, but it's, it's more the, the, I think the practical side, does Christianity really offer anything, you know? That's that's what yeah, that's so, how okay, I would so, that. Yeah, so so part of what you're saying is for the at least the Spanish context is that the some of the files that are missing are are, are the um, are are the files of of practical caring community. Yeah, and, I think so. And how does that fit into? Uh, how is that different from the narrative that I'm receiving that says you're an island in the sea and and that's um, like the third time I've referenced that song today. That's weird. <laughs> um, I love Dolly Parton, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, or was it Linda Ronstadt who sang? I don't know. I just know there's a great bottle. There's a great bottle rocket song about trying to go to a Dolly Parton concert. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I was watching The Office the other day, and uh, it was the episode where uh, they got broken into and everyone's stuff got stolen. So Michael yeah. did a, an auction called Crime Aid. <laughs> and, uh, and and so he wanted all these songs from Bruce Springsteen, and then they switched over to Daryl. And Daryl was like, "Mike gave me a list of five songs. Three three were Huey Lewis and the News. One was Linda Ronstadt." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like it was just awesome. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, where was I? Um, but it but it seems to be so. So this may be part of the then the the I think it's possible to maybe identify specific folders that need to be formed and how to think about that. I think that's a good way to approach it. But I think there is also the reality that sometimes we need to be creating a, a structure mm-hmm, in which, mm-hmm. because it's impossible to point out the folders in everyone's life. So, or to know or anticipate them. So if we have structures where people can, begin to fill those so there's there's known and unknown folders if that makes sense so a known folder mm-hmm. is like why is there suffering in the world so they have mm-hmm. a, a sense of a questioning of the goodness of god but the unknown there is do people care for me because 
I lost someone in a freak yeah. accident and that yeah. like that's an unknown, but you can't get to that one yeah. outside of the community. And there's, so there's two different levels of folders. There's like folders and subfolders yeah, or this whatever. Is, this is good. Yeah. And so I, so I actually think in evangelism, and this is where I would say body evangelism becomes incredibly important. Um, and this is where maybe the area of apologetics is really important. Um, and we need it desperately yeah. need it. But we also have to remember that apologetics just doesn't answer everything because oftentimes there is the kitchen table apologetic, which someone's need, someone needs to have answered of, okay, why is there suffering in the world? But really what I want to know is why do I hurt so much? And did God care that my dad died or, you know, whatever else? I mean, uh, I think those are, those are, they're the same question, but they're not the same question at the same time. And so making Jesus known in that context actually requires a different quote unquote skill set. And the person who can answer the philosophical side and the apologetic side often is not the person who should be answering that question. Uh, it's, it's kind of like when, so my, my wife is just referencing that this, um, we're, we're, she's rereading a book called whole brain child in order to help us parent better. And uh, there's left brain and right brain. I don't remember which one is responsible for which, but basically the end result is this. If your kids come out in the middle of the night and they're up and they can't sleep, the worst thing you can do is it's late. You need to go to sleep, which is exactly what I do. Yeah, me too. Right. What they were saying is the best thing you need to do is you need to connect and you need to help on the emotional level. And so you Mm. comfort first and you get them through that. So then they can settle down in order to go back to bed yeah, not but creating you, anxiety. Yeah. Right. But as a parent, you know it's too late. And I'm tired already, too. And I'm tired. But you have to hold that intention and go. So I know the apologetic reasons here of yeah. a child needs sleep. You need sleep because you're a child and all these different things. But there is a reality thereof. But on a pastoral plane, I need yeah. to answer this different and I need to have a different approach. And I actually yeah. think we need the pastoral approach to evangelism currently, maybe, I don't want to say more so we need it in dual partnership with the apologetic side. So we need to have the apologetics in our head, Uh uh but we have to, we have to be able to, to release the pastoral aspect. Yeah. And I would say, because often those two people are not exactly the same people, right? Mm, Exactly. Um, Yeah. You, you need body evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. You, You need the person who can do the pastoral at the same time that the apologetic is coming out. You need setters, right? Like in volleyball. Is that what they're called? Bump set spike, buddy. Yeah, you need spikes, spikers. So I, I think you're right. I think, I think we, we've unfortunately we've compartmentalized a lot of evangelism, yeah, right? Like yeah. it's over here, and then it's over here, and and those things. I think they're they're affected because they attract certain levels of people, and and there's always there's always the the danger, the extre- extremities of that. The 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 I'm just gonna have a website that's got information, which is great. You know, we should have that, but that's gonna only reach a certain small section of the world that's out there looking for the information, you know, that may be a lot of people, obviously there's a lot right. of people in the world. But then you get people who are really going to be pastoral and comforting and, but maybe don't know, aren't as, so you've got, there are two poles to what should be a more integrated holistic approach, right? Cause you can also get over here and just be friends with people and never go, Oh, by the way, you know, you sh- we need to talk about this. The people who are really, I think, really great evangelists bring those two really well together. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, and and are, are love people naturally, and I, so I, th- I think that I think exactly what you're hitting on is what what we need. We need a bigger picture, and I, I think we we have it. I think you know, here's here's the thing. I'll just be honest with you. I don't th- I don't think uh, 
thank you because I, I really felt like up until this point you were just lying no and so finally i'm getting on i'm just kidding i always say that and i'm always like i haven't been lying before <laughs> anyway no, sorry i i, I don't think Friday. any i think what has changed is us right hmm. we've overthought evangelism sometimes yeah we've made it into this when in, when and, but yeah people the whole time are still coming becoming christians in spite of what we're doing but why? Because we all go to a church. We all for, we naturally form communities. We naturally, you know, not always, but naturally we sometimes invite our friends into that. You know, we do things. We, we go serve the poor. We go preach the gospel. We do all those things. And and so we're not maybe cognizant, but we're, we've kind of created these structures, you know. And so I, I, I think people, like, there's not any real trick, right, to getting people. People have been trusting Christ for the same reason since 2,000 years ago, is that some of them go heard something. They go, well, that, that's interesting. I'm going to go explore that. Or other people just saw, well, those people are interesting. Or, hey, my mom, her life changed. Or, or an know. entire house. Yeah, an entire yeah, house yeah. comes to and, know and, Christ and, and, because so, one person. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think what we need to do is rethink how we can do it better and, and bring it together and more kind of, you know. I, you know, a crew, I, I, like I could be told on I, I think it was mid-Atlantic. It was like 15, 20 years ago. They did a big survey of all the people who trusted Christ and their movements. And they found, you know, it, it was, it was the mid Atlantic. So it was like, what, Virginia. I don't know. Right. I don't know. The, I can't remember since we got rid of the regions, but um, that, you know, they did a survey. Someone, someone out there can probably find it. I, I have it somewhere and probably on my laptop. I don't know. I could probably do a search for it or something, but it, it, it basically showed that like 90% of the people who trusted Christ through crew did through because of community or relationships. You know, and my guess is if you'd surveyed now, I think that you might have some countries that are outliers to that because the place where they are, you know, where there's kind of this, you know, rejection of one truth. And now everyone's looking to go towards Christianity. Sometimes that happens. There's these big waves, but those are those are outliers. Those don't happen that often. And then still within that, most people will be becoming Christians because, whoa, something happened to my friend. Or these people, they came to my house and, and, and they said some really weird words, but I could tell they were really sad that you know, my wife was sick, you know, yeah. I don't understand, yeah. you know, there's, so there's this deeper evangelism. Isn't just proclamation. It's not just doing stuff. It's, it's those things combined. And I, and I think we need to get back to, I mean, how did we become, I, I, mean, I think if you took a general poll of the people we know, very few of them, it was a, just a proclamation event that they became right. Christian. I mean, right. certainly are, we should certainly do it. I'm not saying, but most people it's, it's relationships. It's relationship well, okay, so, community so, with proclamation yeah. with t- people. T- it was you know people talking about Jesus, people making Jesus the issue. They were not just hiding it, but you know, it's not okay. It's not so, so here's an interesting thing. So, two points I'll make to that. Mm-hmm. What it wasn't proclamation in a vacuum. So, yeah. That's it, it wasn't. It wasn't as though the Holy Spirit or or folders or information was deposits weren't being made to build a, a, a plausibility structure in order to accept that. Okay, so that's one. Then the Holy Spirit breaks in and works. Yeah. That's two. But then three, never underestimate. So Michael Metatol, who's been on here before, I think we'll probably have him on again. Um, you know, he became a Christian when he was 18 years old. He had been going to Young Life for like a year, and at Young Life every Thursday or whenever it was, he would hear the gospel and he doesn't remember it ever being spoken. Not Mm -hmm. once. And then he goes to a young life camp in the summer and he becomes a believer at that young life camp. And he, he, he was like one night, he was like, I've never heard this before. 
And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When, like he literally cannot remember it ever being, but during that time, what was happening? Relationships were being built with people who love Jesus. There was a way of talking in which he began to go, well, maybe this is normal. So that looking back, he doesn't hear the specifics of the gospel, although they were being yeah. preached, but it began to be able to make sense so that when the Holy Spirit yeah. decided to drop the hammer, the Holy Spirit was working all along, but you can't underestimate the the year-long journey that was taking taking process yeah. along the way. Yeah. And so I think I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of power in that. Um, and so I think we do well in all contexts to remember that and then to remember that people ultimately are relational beings and will come to if they don't come to Christ in the context of relationship, there's probably relationship that's been going on number one. And number two, they will follow Christ and stay in Christ in the context of relationship. <laughs> and so, and in the context of community. And so both of those things need to, need to, to remain. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, the tremendous actor, I think one of yeah. the great actors of our he was awesome. generation, he was yeah. an amazing actor. Even in bad movies, he made it better. He just made it better. And he you could did, tell you yeah. even, you could tell even he knew it was a bad movie. This is not what he was, but he, he would make it better. He he his his sister was is a is an evangelical. Um and he was, you know, a kind of a, a moderately practicing Catholic. Obviously he had a lot of things he was working through in his life. But I read an interview where it came up about his his sister being an evangelical. And he said, he said it's so frustrating. Because everyone in Hollywood thinks, you know, evangelical Christians or Christians are these mean, horrible people. He goes, but when I look at them, I see people who care for each other, who care for others, who come and, and really do their best to, um, you know, to make the world a better place. He goes, I, that's what I see. And that's what I know my sister and her friends. And he said, that's that's what I love about them. And that's why he, he kind of said he he, def- he would defend them, you know, the evangelical wow. Now, that was a while ago, you know, maybe in our current political situation, it's not so easy anymore. But I think that's that's what I feel like we were known for as Christians and we need to be known for, that someone who has, you know, no reason to, but, you know, two points are no no reason to really defend us was defending the Christian movement because of what he saw. But then it shows you the power of that to influence people to consider, you know, the, the claims of Jesus and consider yeah. who Jesus is Yeah, because of that, the, because of relationship, because of community. Um, you know, he, and, and, and Hoffman said he, he had, he had gone to church with his sister. He went to, his, yeah. to church with his sister occasionally, you know? And so we need to, we need to be, I, I think, aware of how powerful community can be. Yep. Yep. Good stuff, man. Yeah. I, uh, we're running long. Uh, we had technical yeah. difficulties, so technically, I don't know how long we're we don't about. know how long uh, this is. Uh, might be our longest <laughs> podcast, might be our shortest. We 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 don't know until we actually go back and look at the look at the recording. Um, yeah. So okay. So are you watching anything recently that's just uh, we need to know about? Because you're always watching interesting things. Or or I went back and watched things. a movie. I went back and watched a movie, and it's I just it's a great movie. Uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh, that's a good it's movie. Pretty- brilliant it's i just yeah. want to watch it again because yeah. yeah, I, I saw it like maybe when it came out it's you know and it's it's got it's just uh it's fantastic gary oldman um cumberbatch yeah tom hart tom hardy and um of course oh gosh the the guy who I, I won't give away the thing but um ah oh gosh the guy he's in um yeah i can't think of his name either 
finally won an Oscar for the King's Speech. Yeah, yeah, he's he's in everything. Just yeah. Yeah, fantastic cast, fantastic uh, just story, plot just, line. Yeah, everything. plot line. Just it's a spy thriller, but w- with a lot of British people speaking very dryly. Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I'm not going to do it British, but very. You know, <laughs> all kind of undercurrents of threats and it's just uh, just uh, yeah uh, uh, go go watch that it's on netflix you know yeah it's a fun movie yeah as i said i'm i'm currently going through a little bit of the office before it gets taken off of american netflix and yeah. uh just that it's was a, a brilliant show you know it was a brilliant show brilliant even, show even after uh michael scott left it was still yeah, i didn't a watch a bunch after show. he left so i i'm still and there's a bunch of episodes I've never seen. So, yeah. so to, I'm watching some of them for the first time and it's just, it's just delicious. Um, so that's a lot of fun. Um, well, cool, man. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, I hope you have a great weekend. Uh, you too. Friday. Enjoy it. This will post on like a Monday. So this conversation part will be irrelevant, but people can be put <laughs> in the mood for the, for the weekend ahead, maybe for the next weekend. For the next week. Yeah, that's right. Uh, hey, everybody. Listen, I should have said this at the beginning. Uh, maybe I'll do a voiceover before we ever start. But um, if you like the podcast, uh, thank you. If you don't like the podcast, shame on you. Um, but no, if you like the podcast, <laughs> please leave us a please leave us a, a five star review on uh, iTunes or wherever you do your podcast. That really helps us be discovered. Um, but also if tell your friends about it and tell them to listen and if you could subscribe if you're not yet a subscriber that helps us uh, find new people and uh, grow the listenership um, if you think that this uh, podcast should be uh, flushed down the memory hole uh, thanks for stopping by <laughs> we'll we talk to you it. soon uh, Buen Camino my friend Buen Camino <laughs>